This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 58 degrees at 9.04. Overcast now. We've had a little spate of some heavy fog this morning. Looking at mostly cloudy skies, just a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms, a high today near 80. Now, if you're planning a trip down toward the Scranton area, they've had a crash on I-81 in Lackawanna County, and that is going to be messing things up on the interstate for, yeah, another couple hours. PennDOT is saying that it's just... On 81 southbound closed beginning at the Musick exit, that's 180, due to a crash. And they're saying the reopening is probably going to be happening at 11 a.m. So adjust your travel plans accordingly if you were heading down to Scranton. Man charged with stabbing Salman Rushdie at a lecture stage in western New York said in an interview he was surprised to learn the author had lived. Speaking to the New York Post from jail, Hadi Matar said he decided to see Rushdie at the Chautauqua Institution after he saw a tweet last winter about the writer's planned appearance. Matar did not say whether he was following a 1989 edict issued by the late Iranian leader Ayatollah Rullah Khomeini that called for Rushdie's death after he published his novel The Satanic Verses. Rushdie suffered wounds to his neck, liver, eye, and an arm in the attack, but is said to be that it is expected he will recover. New York State Police say they used a drone to find a missing dementia patient last week. Troopers, forest rangers, fire medics, and police dogs in Delaware County searched the Huckaberry Hill area of the town of Middleton last Friday evening looking for the 79-year-old woman New York State Police unmanned aerial system was also deployed, and the woman was found in a heavily wooded area. The authorities say the unnamed woman sustained some minor injuries. She was turned over to medical staff and transported to Margaretville Hospital for further evaluation. The news release from the New York State Police did not say how long she had been missing, but they do say they were called to the Huckleberry Hill Road area at around 6.45 p.m. on August 12th. The authorities also did not mention where the woman had been be seen last before she was reported missing, whether it was a private residence or a care facility. Pennsylvania drivers whose licenses have been suspended due to an accumulation of points on their records could get a second chance and avoid having their privileges pulled for months at a time. The Pennsylvania Department of Transportation is announcing a new driver improvement school, or DIS, to which a driver with too many speeding or other moving violations on their record could be assigned to try to knock down some points off their license. According to PennDOT, a driver convicted of certain moving violations are assigned points to the driving record. Once the record has been reduced below six points and then for the second time shows as many as six points, or who has a conviction for excessive speeding, would be required to attend a PennDOT hearing where the determination would be made as to whether the motorist should be given a 15-day license suspension or if the driver improvement school would be better in helping them make better decisions behind the wheel. If assigned to the six-hour course, the driver would knock two points off their record if they complete the class successfully and avoid a suspension. If they fail or don't show up, they would get a 60-day suspension 
suspension on their license. For more information, you can visit the Driver Improvement School page on PennDOT's Driver and Vehicle Services website. WMBF News Time 908. Staying in Pennsylvania, two Keystone State judges who orchestrated a scheme to send children to for-profit jails in exchange for kickbacks are being ordered to pay more than $200 million to hundreds of people they victimized in one of the worst judicial scandals in U.S. history. A federal judge awarded $106 million in compensatory damages to and $100 million in punitive damages to plaintiffs in a long-running civil suit against those judges in what came to be known as the Kids for Cash scandal. Mark Civarelli and another judge, Michael Conahan, shut down a county-run juvenile detention center and accepted $2.8 million in illegal payments from the builder and co-owner of two for-profit jails. WMBF Newstime 909. Almost. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly cloudy today, a slight chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms. A high near 80 tonight, gradually becoming mostly clear. Patchy fog could be setting up again toward morning, a a low tonight into the upper 50s. Tomorrow, patchy morning fog, mostly sunny, high in the upper 80s. Mostly sunny Saturday, 30% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, a high in the upper 80s. Sunday, mostly sunny, 40% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, high in the mid-80s. Monday, partly sunny, 60% chance of afternoon showers, high in the low to mid-80s. Currently 58 in Binghamton. It's 910, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, and 92.1 FM. Thursday morning with Bob Joseph live, 607-772-1290. Have something to say to enlighten the global audience? Call in now and uh, share your wisdom or simply your opinion. Again, the number is 607-772-1290 to talk on WNBF, the only program that has no apparent agenda. You may also contact the program by email, bob at wnbf.com. Feel free to offer your thoughts. Some emails may actually be read on the air, so we encourage you to provide thoughtful discourse. If you're going to take the time to write, make sure it's something that's meaningful and thoughtful and relevant and not just, oh, well, we don't like what you say. Hey, you just sent a note that says we don't like what you say. I can guarantee that is not going to be read on the air. We don't like what you say. Better actually bring a little something to the party. Anyway, uh, it is a party, a radio party, as uh, Marconi would want it to be, if uh, Marconi were still here to enjoy the beauty of radio. Let's take a look at some of the local headlines from the best local news website, WNBF.com. COVID ups and downs. There's a story making the headlines. COVID ups and downs. 
You can see that on the website also. A motorcycle chase through three counties. And the drought watch in the southern tier. Everybody is thirsting for knowledge about that. Also, more traffic on the Vestal Parkway because the students are back in town. And then a garage sale, shopping for charity, and New York keeping you safe on the Tilt-A-Whirl. So those, oh, and also um, in West Endicott, the new owner of the fabled Red Carpet Inn says he wants to renovate that place. So we'll see about that. <laughs> yes, we'll see how the renovations move forward there. Hopefully that'll happen because, and I'm old enough to remember when that red carpet inn was actually uh, operating under a different name. And just be, believe it or not, I know you'll say, Bob, I don't believe it. Yeah, believe it or not, it was actually a, a fairly nice place. Well, that seems improbable. No, it was. So, hopefully, the uh, owner who lives in New Jersey uh, will be able to follow through on his plan to make some improvements of the place and then get the place reopened. So that would be viewed as progress. Sometimes around here I know people say, but Bob, why does progress take so long? Well, usually... Not always, but usually the reason progress takes so long is one word, and you know what that is. Money. Money. I mean, whether you want Shenango Street and Binghamton repaved in the area of the bus station, or whether you want, well, whatever. You want the uh, infrastructure fixed. You want your water lines fixed, or whatever. You want that bridge that looks like it might fall down. One of these days, you want that fixed. Well, everybody does. Everybody wants everything fixed. But we just don't have the trillions of dollars needed to fix everything all at once. So, ultimately, you have to be patient. And we see everywhere you look around here, not, well, not literally everywhere, but many places where you look around here, you see some actual progress. And sometimes it seems like baby steps. Well, they opened up that, but they didn't open up this. Well, again, one word. Money. Money. If they had the money, they could do it. If you had the money, you could do it. I talk a big game about opening up Bob's Diner in Endwell. And that's great. It's all talk for now because I don't have the money to do it. If I had the money... If I had the money to open up Bob's Diner or Bobo Mart or whatever whatever idea I have, if I had the money, I would go ahead and do it. But, <laughs> again, till I get the money, we'll just have to keep it as a wonderful idea. So that's, that's always the bottom line. It's 917 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Let's see what the paper has to offer. What do they have in, way, in the way of locale news? 
local news on the front page. A uh, story by David Robinson from the Journal News in Westchester. story by Kayla Can from the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester. story by Nancy Cutler from the Journal News in Westchester. And a story by Sarah Tadeo from the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester. In other words, no local news on the front page of the Presence on Bulletin. <laughs> Oh, well, I tried. Now, to America's newspaper, New York Times. This is an interesting story, and you might actually find a number of people in our audience who would support this, including some people who normally don't support much of what the federal government does. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention... CDC. An overhaul is planned. The director of the CDC, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, delivered a sweeping rebuke of her agency's handling of the coronavirus pandemic, saying it had failed to respond quickly enough and needed to be overhauled. So, what do you think about that? There might be widespread agreements in our audience that the CDC's response was not sufficient, that the agency responded to, um, failed to respond quickly enough, Dr. Walensky said, to be frank, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data communications, and she made the statement in a video that was distributed to the agency's employees. So do you think, do you think Dr. Walensky is correct, that the agency failed to respond quickly enough and didn't do a good job, especially in the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic. And you know, what can they do to do a better job for the next pandemic? Whether that turns out to be monkeypox or polio or whatever the next major health threat comes before our nation. There will be something. It's always something. And hopefully nothing as severe as COVID, but Obviously, health experts, public health experts at all levels, local, state, and federal governments need to be ready for the next big thing. So, in your view, what should the CDC do to better serve Americans next time there's a major health concern? It's 920 at WNBF. Let's go to the phones. Sharon Investel, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. I have an observation, and a, I don't really have the answer for it, but I have been involved in helping a loved one get into an assisted living facility in the area. And our visits have been interesting because some of them won't allow any tours because of the COVID business, and some of them, they all need you to wear masks, of course, but some of them do welcome you and take you through the facility, et cetera. So last night, I went with my family to the Hartford Fair and sat in the grandstands with probably at least 5,000 people closely packed in on those bleachers with not a mask in sight. Things that make you go hum. 
Well, yes. I mean, we always live in interesting times, and these times are more interesting than most because right. it, it definitely feels, to me, it feels as though we're finally emerging from COVID. But I'm afraid to say that on the air. Of course, I just said it on the air. I'm reluctant to say it on the air because it seems we've been through this at least a few times before where it felt our long national nightmare was over and then only, you know, cases rose again and new restrictions right. were applied. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, uh, yeah, it's in some cases it can be unsettling. I still, even though it's mid-August, I'm still doing my best to avoid crowded situations. You know, I don't really want to go into areas where people are packed like like that, where you describe maybe 5,000 people, you know, even outdoors. Um, on the other hand, at this stage, I'm not sure what the real risk is. So what I, I will make right. an observation. One thing I noticed when I uh, stopped by a major supermarket which goes by the initials Wegmans uh, in Johnson City. <laughs> I may as well just admit what store it was. I noticed on Monday afternoon, it seemed that more people inside the supermarket in Johnson City were wearing masks than, say, maybe a week or two ago. Now, I don't know if that's just the way it appeared. It still, still was the a, a relatively small number. So I don't know. And obviously everybody has specific reasons maybe their own health concerns or maybe because they they know that they'll be caring for uh, a person with special health issues why they would wear a mask i'm not really sure what to make of where we are today i know it's confusing it sure is and the older i get the more confused i am yeah i mean i think i think sharon what we need to do is try uh to exercise discretion no matter where we go or what we do and try to a, a, an extent to do what we think is the right thing under the circumstances. But let's face it, there's no perfect solution. I guess the only way to um, make sure you're most likely not going to be exposed to any COVID variant is to stay in your, your basement and never leave. Well, we were attending a tractor pool and there was so many diesel fumes in the air probably killed all the germs anyway. well and that's another good point you know there may actually have been some some covid sp spread in the air my guess is the bigger potential health threat could have been the fumes from from all the vehicles and even that is a, a you know obviously a minimal threat it's not as though you wanted to be in that environment for hours but you know, for a relatively short time uh, for most people it's probably fairly harmless yeah. Did you have a good well, time? Anyway, I just I just felt like talking to you because I enjoy your show and you have a lot of interesting things to talk about. So did you have a good yeah? Did you have a good time at the Harford Fair? Oh my yes, yeah, we sure did. Here's a bit of trivia for you. It's it's really kind of meaningless, but since the Harford Fair doesn't come up on this program very often, nearly half a century ago when I was starting off in radio, the first commercial that i ever recorded at a local radio station was for the harford fair so that's i've never been to the harford fair but i was proud of my first commercial because when you do your first radio commercial for some reason and i thought it was the best 
commercial for a fair ever. Oh, of course. Yes. Of course. You will. <laughs> and it's a great fair. I really, you know, we enjoy it. Well, one of these days, do you, does it run through this weekend? I believe it runs through Saturday, yes. All right. Well, maybe I'll get down there finally. And then maybe I could ask them if they remember my radio commercial from so long ago. And they'll say, yeah, yeah, you almost put us out of business. Fortunately, they found a better announcer for next year's fair, and and we managed to salvage the event. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a good day. Thanks, Sharon. All the memories. The blessed memories. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello, Bob. It's Gary from the West Side. Hey, Gary. Hi. Hey, uh, when I was at the Hartford Fair, they had this guy where you would first walk in, and he would just, like, pick on people as they were coming in because he was sitting on one of those uh, dunk tank things. And he he was the best, I'm telling you. He would just, like... uh, Get people so upset that they come over and just start throwing things, you know, like obviously they had to pay to throw things at him. He, he was really good at that, and he was there for many years. He was just a uh, one of the things everybody knew that this guy would be there and uh, get people riled up. But anyway, that's the Hartford Fair. And you're saying he was a state senator? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say they could no. make a lot more money if it was an elected official. Probably. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. Of course, yeah. of course, I didn't mean that. So, if I want to play tennis on the west side in Rec Park, how come I can't play? As they say on the city website, you're sadly out of luck. I don't know. That's uh, you would think that City Hall. By this point, uh, here we are. Summer's almost over. It's been a Summer Without Tennis. Sounds like some sort of really bad movie on the Hallmark Channel. Summer Without Tennis. They met. They they redid it. They they repaved it. And I guess that wasn't good enough. There might have been a different uh, problem with it, they they think. There were issues. The the issues are so complicated, nobody can come up with a a simple explanation of what the problem is. But trust me. The uh, what was supposed to be a six hundred thousand dollar job now is probably going to cost at least two million dollars. Although the mayor hastens to add that the city taxpayers won't pay for mistakes that other people made. I don't. I don't know. There's so many questions about the Rec Park tennis court debacle and so few answers. But I, I did see uh, the other day that they have now removed a center strip from the tennis court. I guess that'll that'll teach them. I don't know what that's about. I I mean the the center you know they they took out the center of uh the the freshly repaved tennis courts and now I don't know. I I wasn't there yesterday, but it's it's fascinating to me. I I certainly I certainly think that a movie probably could be made about what really happened but i i wish i knew you know the the okay. answers i i invite a blowing in the wind well how about this to show that i'm interested in getting the facts of the story so we don't have any inaccurate information i'm going to invite mayor jared cram to call in the program right now 
at 607-772-1290 and tell us the status of the tennis courts because, and I know it's complicated, and I'm not suggesting that Mayor Cram or Mayor David or anybody on city council is responsible. I just want answers, a status report on the program, and then if the mayor calls in with the status report on this August 18th, and I can put it on our website and let people know what to expect. I, let me, um, I did have a brief email exchange with the mayor several days ago about this. Hold on a second. Why don't they just make them pickleball courts? No, well, I thought, I, I think I mentioned that on, on the air, oh. actually. Okay. First, um, so on Saturday morning, August 6th, I received an email from Mayor Cram at 7.42, and he questioned a story that I had posted Friday afternoon about uh, borrowing money for the problems, you know, to finally fix the tennis courts. And the mayor said in his email, we're not borrowing more money. We have to reflect additional cost, regardless of who is paying for them on projects that have been bonded for it. Similar if we get a grant on a project that increases the total cost. He wrote that there was another piece of legislation at a previous city council meeting that addressed getting the courts fixed while having contractors, designers, vendors, etc. responsible for the additional cost through insurance recovery. And he also wrote, as I've said before, it's my position the city not pay one cent for errors on projects that are not our fault, which is the case here. So I did make uh, a revision to the story to include Mayor Cram's assertion that ultimately uh, the additional expenses caused by mistakes would not be covered by taxpayers. Um, I did ask him, said, if do you have a possible target date for opening the courts if the remaining planned work is determined to be okay? And his reply was, it will be in the fall because of the weeks of curing time that are needed on the phases of asphalt replacement. So that's the last... And that, that's from August 6th, so I'm not sure much has changed, but I'm still fascinated by, by the process because... Well, in the spring, remember in the spring, you know, luckily, Levine, Goulden, and Thompson said we're not going to hold the tournament this year because of COVID, which, I mean, I, I, I couldn't understand that, but that's what they did. No, I don't understand okay. it either. It, it just happened to be, we'll say it was, I'm using air quotes, convenient that they decided that they weren't holding the event this year because of covid and that i think that's about one of the very few events in america not being held this summer because of covid but anyway yeah fortunately they said the tennis challenger wouldn't be held this year because of covid and i think they might have had staffing issues and who knows um but the bottom line is it would have been nice to have the tournament here and it also of course for tennis players this summer it would have been nice to for them to be able to play on the new courts. I just hope at some point, whether it's the mayor or the parks commissioner or someone, would just call into the program so we could talk about it. Again, I I view this program as an important resource for everyone, for government officials, for residents, so everybody can get accurate information that you might not receive anywhere else. Yeah, and, you know... That's the one thing that I liked about Mayor David. He would come on your show. He would. He wasn't afraid to discuss things. He would take calls. Uh, listeners like me or John could call in and ask him questions. And uh, yeah, that's the way I feel things should be. 
And now this new mayor, all of a sudden, what about the sheriffs? When are you going to ha- uh, have them on and uh, have a uh, what are they, debate? Did you plan on doing that with the sheriffs at all? I've been thinking about it. I've been waiting to see if there is any listener interest. I haven't brought it up. I've been, when it comes to holding debates or more accurately conversations with candidates about issues before the elections, I've decided to take a wait-and-see approach. If listeners, through calling the program or sending emails, indicated something they'd like, then I would move forward on it. If you know, I would like and, to hear that. Okay. Well, in the past, when I've done these things, it's been hard to know whether whether anybody really got much out of it because I I know some people probably don't believe it, but there's a certain amount of work that goes into preparing for those discussions to do it right and do it fairly. And I would be honored to host the candidates for sheriff. I'd be honored to host the eventual candidates for congress say in the newly drawn 19th district but i haven't decided yet if if i'll try to schedule uh, a debate i mean i welcome the candidates i'll just say here and now i mean whether they're candidates for sheriff candidates for uh congress or any other major election coming up in november if they the candidates individually or their representatives want to contact me and express an interest. I mean, one of the things that occurs to me, it's hard to schedule a debate if only one candidate wants to participate. It's not going to be a very interesting debate unless we can get each candidate committed to come on the program and and answer questions. Yeah, well, that's that's a given. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I would... Love to do it. I think it's. I think it's a good thing for the program. As I say, it requires a certain amount of preparation. For me, I mean, not that I'm unfamiliar with most of the issues, but still, you have to spend some time trying to uh, organize and come up with a, a structure for that. But hey, it, ultimately, I think I'll leave it up to the listeners. If the listeners want that sort of thing, uh, they can let me know by calling in or sending an email to bob at wnbf.com, and the same with the candidates. I I personally think it's valuable for any any race. I, I think that the more information that voters, prospective voters have, I think it's it's great. I think that's uh, it helps the process, and I think that's one of the nice things we have with this program, that we're in a position to do that. Right, you get the first-hand news. It's not like somebody reporting on what they said. It's you can hear what they said themselves, and you can make your own determination based on that. Absolutely. And I think there's yeah. there's a certain beauty in that. It's unfiltered. I mean, totally unfiltered. And right. in these days, even I will commend WSKG for the uh, candidate discussion they had last week with the Democratic candidates in the 19th Congressional District. They aired it live on TV and radio in prime time, as I think it should be. I, it, oh, the one that was held at the uh, at the Jewish Center in town? No, not that one. The one that was held at oh. WSKG Studios in Vestal. Speaking of the one last night, though, now there's right. an interesting thing, and I know Jeff Platsky was there because he tweeted about it. So he, a uh, so that was at Temple Concord, the 52nd Senate District. Uh, candidates, the Democratic candidates were there, 
And I tweeted back to Jeff. I said, is this session being recorded so potential voters will be able to view it before next Tuesday? But I don't know if it was. I, I sense that it wasn't. Jeff Platsky wrote back. He said, uncertain it may be archived on the Temple Concord Facebook page, but I, I saw no evidence on that page that it was going to be. But I hope it is. I hope somebody was able to do a video recording or, or even an audio recording. I wasn't there. I, I would love to have heard the, uh, the discussion, but um, we'll, we'll see if somebody made a recording and then can post it, hopefully today or tomorrow, because the primary election is on Tuesday. That would be nice. Well, thanks for what you do, Bob. Appreciate Thank you, Gary. It. Appreciate your support and your call. 937 at News Radio WNBF. Stay tuned. More calls are coming up. We're live and local, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. Your new career. WNBF Live at 941. Back to the phones at 607-772-1290. Larry and Kirkwood, good morning. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. Hey there. I tell you, I hate everything you say. Now, good for you. <laughs> hey, welcome to the big broadcast. <laughs> Had to bust you a little bit there. <laughs> so, anyway. Oh, my goodness. Uh... This should I talk about today? Hmm. Kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, that one. How about bubble tea? Bubble tea. Bubble oh. tea. It's been a long time since I had that. Do you like oh, the bubble tea? Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, my sister took me to have bubble tea many years ago, and uh, it was very interesting. Now, very help interesting. help me out because uh, I've done a lot of things in my life, but I've never had the bubble tea. Tell me what the bubble tea tastes like. Oh, well, it's regular tea, and it's got these uh, round, uh, um, um, kind of like, um, how would I explain? Do they have these round, spongy um, things that I guess they have liquid in them or something? And and you know, it's just somebody it's told tea. me those things come from squids. So the oh the God. little I don't know the little that. things they put in they come from squids that are harvested in the harbors of around North Vietnam is that is that accurate? Well, if if I had known that I wouldn't have ever had it, <laughs> but I don't think so. It, they, it's got uh, flavoring inside the the the, the spears there, and uh, it's good stuff. At least the one I had is really what, good. What's it? What flavor did you get? Is it like oh, thin mints or thick mints or medium mints? No, I I know it wasn't mint. It was something else, but I I can't remember. But it was good. That's all I can say. I mean, this was a long time ago, like probably twenty years ago at least, over twenty years ago. Yeah, my is parents it, are both alive. And, okay. Well, is bubble tea? Do they serve it hot or is it cold? Or tell me, tell me the the temperature, the serving temperature of the bubble tea. Oh, the one I the one I had was hot. That was good. I, well, I think it was anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a long time ago. It's kind of hard to remember. All right. But it was good. It was really good. Was it sweet? Did they have sugar in it? Yes, it was. Oh, it was okay. Well, then I'll probably like it. Yeah. 
All right. I'm yeah. going to, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to put that on my bucket list to have the bubble tea. <laughs> bubble tea. Oh, my goodness. Hey, it was Remember that guy? He used to have an NBC show in prime time. He was uh, gruff but lovable. He was a large but funny guy. They called him Bubble Tea. Oh. He, he wore, uh, like, gold jewelry, and I think I think he had, what? oh, like a, a gold necklace or chain or something. He was, he was very popular for a time, Bubble Tea. No, I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was kind of abrasive, but after you got to know his character, I think it was all more of a, a put-on than anything else. Bubble tea. Oh, let me tell you an interesting story on that line. I I was in a hospital one time, like 25 years ago. I had this one nurse, and I kid you not, from the very first moment I met her till the time I left, which is at least a couple of weeks, this nurse was... <laughs> She had the most abrasive manner ever. She just like insulted everything, but it was playful. She wasn't being mean. She was just—I think that was her way of telling me, yeah. "You're going to be all right, boy. Don't worry about yeah. it." Yeah. Well, that's—I—I I love different personalities. I mean, as long as someone isn't like mean, mean. But say, if you have yeah. sort of a a persona that's maybe all business, but you still you still like. Uh, in, in infuse a little bit of humor, sort of uh, a wink, wink, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're gonna let's get up there and and get better. You're gonna get better, and and oh, because yeah. that's the mission of a hospital. Now, my family, they come up to visit me in a hospital. So get your butt out of bed, there, dude. <laughs> what the heck are you doing in exactly. a here? <laughs> hey, Larry, thanks for calling in. All right. Bless you, man. Thanks. 945 WNBF, Elaine and Endwell. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Good. That's good. Um, I'm a barista. I had a coffee shop at the mall, and I worked at Wegmans, and bubble tea is made with tapioca. Ooh. <laughs> Ew. No, they cook it a certain way. Yeah. Uh, and leave it overnight so it gets nice and fat and bubbly, you know, yeah. like, and then when you... Uh, Is it sticky? No, not yeah. really. It, if, it tastes, if you could imagine in your head, bubbles in water. Oh, okay. You know, it's wet on the outside, you, you touch it with your teeth, and it pops. How much sugar do they put in it? Is it very sweet? Is it super sweet? Uh, no more than the average. You can yeah. have it any way you want. Be, you know, um, the uh, some people like cream in it even. Oh, okay. You know, because they like cream in their tea. It All right. Depends well, on what you want. Well, but yeah, it's sweet, and they pop when you uh, they cook them over at night, and then use them the next day after they've you know absorbed liquid and they're ready to pop. All right. What's the what tended to be the most popular flavor? Oh, gee. Um, most people got the plane, actually. All right. Well, I'm again, I'm going to put it on my list. I feel that I haven't lived a very full life because I've never had the bubble tea, but I'm, I'm going to, I think, in the next week or so, who knows, maybe this weekend I'll celebrate with the bubble tea, and then I'll make a little video and put it on Twitter so people can, can watch me with my real-time reaction as I sample the bubble tea for the first time. There's a uh, tea shop in uh, Johnson City you can get it at. Where, on Main Street? Yes. The new one? I can't. 
no, this has been there for a while. Where is it near? Nehi, I oh, okay. I'll look it up downtown. All downtown. right, downtown. I can't remember. Exactly I'll pop in. It is. I'll pop yeah. in sometime and and try the bubble tea, and, and then I'll. Can t- they can tell you all about it in there. Okay. Hey, thank you so much, Elaine. You're welcome. Bye bye. Nine forty eight. WNBF. Bob Joseph, a man who promises to sample the bubble tea within the next week and then report to you, the people. 607-772-1290. More calls coming up on this Thursday morning from WNBF and WNBF.com. If you're in... Doesn't mean much. It doesn't mean anything at all. The life I've left behind me is cool. WNBF, it doesn't mean much. Actually, it means much because we're here for you every weekday morning from 9 to noon, live and local. Actually answering the phone. Real people speaking with real people on the radio. It's so beautiful. Pat from Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to call in regarding the bubble tea. Um, I've been drinking bubble tea for years. <laughs> um, there is a place so, on the... So is it addictive? Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, that's my my concern. It starts off, you know, innocently enough, just recreational bubble tea. And before you know it, I'm drinking two, three, five, ten a day. And sometimes, you know, what if I don't have the money to support my habit? <laughs> that's true. That's true. It can be very addicting. It's, um, I mean, I like it. It is, as the previous caller said, um, they are little tapioca balls, and they're boiled, and there's a lot of sugar added to them. And it takes a few hours, and then they soften up. Um, and they are a little sticky. But what they do is when you get your tea, you can get it hot or cold, green or black. And they add the tapioca, and then there are different flavors that you can get. There are a lot of different flavors. I like the kiwi myself. They put a kiwi syrup in. And then add the uh, either green tea or black tea and ice, and that's it. But now I see on the Internet, bubble tea is high in calories. Yes, it is because of the sugar. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, yeah, the, bu- the, the bubbles themselves have a lot of sugar. But when I, when I get it, I don't ask for a lot of sugar. I tell them, you know, no extra sugar in there. So the only sugar I'm getting is from the, the bubbles. Oh, okay. The yeah. one the one uh, website I just popped on, it said bubble tea. Your uh, bubble tea, or they call it boba. What is boba? Is that I mean, bubble tea? No. Boba. You said that your, might be, yeah. Yeah, that might be what the kids are calling it these days. It said your drink will probably contain between 400 and 1,000 calories, depending on the size and the ingredients, which is true of everything. I mean, beverages or food, obviously, if you get a bigger serving size, they're... Likely would be more calories, but so now I'm fascinated, and I will I will work desperate. I don't know if I'm going to be able to enjoy a bubble tea before tomorrow's program, but I'm I'm 
now inclined to try it because I'm, I'm very curious. So at least in the next week or so. It's, I'll probably wait until sometime next week when things calm down. But I, I appreciate there, your information. Well, there is a place off, it's right behind Denny's. And they were probably the first bubble tea um, store that they had. And that's where I usually go. Oh, where? But, on Bun Hill Road? It's on Bun Hill Road. Oh, okay. in the plaza right behind Denny's. All right. Well, I, now I have two places to at least try. I appreciate your call, Pat. Sure. Take care. Bumble D fever. Bob Joseph is about to catch it. It's 9.56 at News Radio WNBF. F. Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 60 degrees at 10.04. The forecast calling for mostly cloudy skies today, just a slight chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms, and a high near 80. We have word out of Johnson City that the Village Board has approved some street changes. Then, as effective today, Ozalid Road is now a one-way street from Corliss Avenue to Main Street, and Lewis Street has been declared a one-way street from Willow Street to Jenison Avenue. Make your plans accordingly when you're traveling those roadways. Once again, that is effective right now. The changes are for the added angle parking for Lewis Street and for an anticipation of an additional traffic due to all the development in the area of the Binghamton University Health Campus in the area of Corliss Avenue and Willow Street. Once again, effective immediately. Ozalid Road is a one-way street from Corliss Avenue to Main Street. Lewis Street is a one-way street now from Willow Street to Jenison Avenue. The ups and downs of the COVID-19 pandemic are taking a slight upward swing in New York following a downward trend in the new infections recently. Broome County yesterday announced a new death, bringing the pandemic total to 540, while the number of new cases went up by 57. The pandemic total number of cases in Broome County was at 63,043. In Shenango County, there were 11 new cases yesterday for a total of 10,540. The death toll remains at 125. The pandemic death toll also remains unchanged for Cortland, Delaware, and Tioga counties. Cortland has had 127 deaths, Delaware 82, Tioga 88. Each county reports new cases yesterday, ranging from a low of six in Delaware County to 14 new cases in Tioga County. Cortland's pandemic total now stands at 11,980. Delaware is at 9,075, while Tioga County's total number of cases was at 12,514. Meanwhile, parents are being reminded by the New York State Department of Health have their children vaccinated in preparation for the start of the school year? Governor Kathy Hochul announced yesterday the relaunch of the hashtag Vax to School initiative. That's where our pop-up vaccination clinics are scheduled for school-aged children around the state. There are dozens of clinics that were listed in her news release, none in the southern tier. But the Broome County Health Department is still scheduling vaccination clinics. The Moderna booster and the first dose for children aged 5 to 12 will be given today at the Health Department on Front Street in Binghamton. Information on times and to make an appointment, www.gobroomcounty.com. New York State Police are continuing to investigate an early morning tractor-trailer crash Tuesday on Interstate 88 that shut down a portion of the highway near Sydney, but resulted in no serious injury. 
The authorities say an Old Dominion Freightline tandem tractor trailer overturned in the eastbound lanes near exit 9 shortly after 5.30 in the morning, closing the right lane for over two hours. Authorities say the highway reopened around 8 Tuesday morning. The driver was a man from Albany. Troopers have not said what they believe caused the crash. The tractor trailer appeared to be the only vehicle involved. The Whitney Point Satellite Office of the Broome County Department of Motor Vehicles is going to be closed tomorrow. So any business with the DMV mobile office at the Northern Broome Senior Center will have to be all wrapped up today or it's going to have to wait until next week. The Broome County Clerk reminds motorists that all DMV offices stop processing transactions 15 minutes before the posted closing time, but staff are available to answer questions and hand out forms until the office is actually closed. To book an appointment at one of the county DMV offices, you can go online to broomcountyclerk.setmore.com. For information on DMV office locations, hours, and available services, go to www.gobroomcounty.com slash DMV. As county fairs continue to offer exhibits, games, and thrill rides, the New York State Department of Labor says it has a listing of events that have been inspected for ride safety and the businesses that own them that the public can view. The Department of Labor inspects rides as they are brought into a festival once they're assembled and while the ride is operating. The inspection efforts that have been going on at county fairs and other regional events are being stepped up as preparations are underway for the really big event next week, the Great New York State Fair in Syracuse. Commissioner Roberta Reardon and other New York State Department of Labor staff have been doing pre-inspections and are meeting with vendors prior, prior to the opening day on the 24th to go over safety precautions. For a list of events that have been inspected and their owners by region, go to dol.ny.gov slash ridesafeny to report what you believe might be an unsafe ride. Go to call 1-888, the number 4 N-Y-S-D-O-L. And a big event today in Johnson City going on through Saturday for the lovers of a good garage sale and a chance for search to, for bargains. This one actually benefits Mom's House in Broome County. The fifth annual Riverside Income Taxes Garage Sale for Mom's House takes place today through Saturday, daily, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. They have 10 tents set up at 189 to 193 Riverside Drive in Johnson City. Again, all proceeds go to the nonprofit Mom's House that provides free child care to single parents so they can complete their education. WMBF News Time, 1010. Your new- the WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly cloudy today, a slight chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, a high near 80, gradually becoming clear tonight, low in the upper 50s, sunny tomorrow, high in the upper 80s, mostly sunny Saturday, a slight chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, high in the upper 80s, Sunday, partly sunny, a 40% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, high in the mid-80s, Monday, mostly cloudy, a 70% chance of afternoon showers, high in the low 80s, currently it's 60 in Binghamton. It's 10-11 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF 607-772-1290 is the number to call if you want to talk on WNBF.
Musatron. Oh, I love the Musatron. <laughs> I could listen to a Musatron 24-7. Anyway, there you have it. WNBF with Bob Joseph exploring the mysteries of the Musatron. Uh-huh. Courtesy of Max Crook. They call it a monophonic synthesizer, the Musatron. Uh, WNBF at 10.13, August 18th. Join life. Popped over to the cider mill this morning to pick up a dozen. Mm-mm-mm. And, and suddenly, I mean, obviously it makes me feel great to pick up a dozen to, oh, over at the cider mill. You're saying dozen what, Bobo? Dozen donuts, of course, down at the cider mill. And so I felt good driving into the studio. Of course, I had to make a couple stops because I'm always reporting. It's like, you know, I can't go directly to the news center. have to go talk to people, ask a few questions, take a few pictures and videos. Because there's always something. But uh, eventually got here to the station, dropped off a dozen to uh, front desk, and then into the break room, and everyone is uh, happy, happy. Everyone's happy, as though it was Easter Sunday. And I am not surprised that John from Binghamton is on the line, given with the uh, the tune that we started the hour off with. Good morning, John. Hi, Bob. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, when I selected this, I'm thinking, if John from Binghamton doesn't call, that only means that he's not listening. You know, the interesting thing about Del Shannon is uh, uh, 69, I think, he had a uh, comeback album, which, you know, it's available. You can listen to it. It was called The Further Adventures of Charles Westover, which was his real name. But you'd be surprised how good it is. <laughs> People, I mean, uh, you know, some of these comebacks, Ricky Nelson and, and all of them weren't weren't really good but you, you'd be surprised if you listen to that one you'd be surprised how good it is and by the way i never knew his real name was charles westover i'm popping it up now and at least now i know where that little segment of uh the town of union between fairmont park and the johnson city line now i know where westover got its name yeah well this is where the beatles screwed up everything uh and you know, EMI and the other uh, British uh, royalty that uh, were behind the English invasion uh, was very interesting because they weren't counting uh, on the Beatles making it. I mean, they sent, they put together, I guess Jerry and the Pacemakers was was uh, the favorite. 
but they sent so many bands here at once to destroy the American uh, music business. And they had uh, tried before. They tried with Cliff Richard multiple times and finally got him across the finish line, I guess, in 79 or something. But they were astounded uh, that uh, Cliff Richard, who was huge in, in uh, England, uh, couldn't, couldn't uh, make any headway. So they came up with this British Invasion jazz and, uh, you know, took apart wholesale uh, the American music business uh, with only uh, some participation by uh, Tin Pan Alley people like uh, uh, Carol King and her then-husband, Jerry Goffin. But, uh, yeah, uh, the, the music business was quite something when uh, American music, it was solely an American music deal, uh, with Phil Spector and all, all the great acts. And, uh, of course, the Beatles, if you want uh, a evidentiary case against drug use, all you have to look at what drugs did for the Beatles. It was all over after Revolver. It destroyed their career, and uh, then we went on to, to something else. But the Beatles were doomed for a couple of reasons. Number one, their music skills were not up to snuff. And number two, they didn't have the all-important front man, which you need in rock and roll. So would the Beatles have done better if Mick Jagger was part of the outfit? Well, uh, not only Mick Jagger, uh, Jim Morrison, uh, people like that. Yeah, yeah. You, you, if, you, if you go with the sum of the parts basis here, it really is no different Rock and roll is really no different than football or athletics. I mean, you need that guy. You need that Robert Plant, that Axl Rose. You need a guy that's will, the big A.H., if you will, who's willing to stand up there with just a microphone and uh, take his chances. Uh, then you need the second component, believe it or not, is not the guitar. It's the drums. You need a very, nowadays less important because the finesse is gone, but you needed a great drummer, Bonham being the uh, the big example there. And then you can go to uh, the guitarist, which now, now for the last 40 years or 35 years, uh, are, are complete bores uh, that, that couldn't come up with a, although Slash is, Slash was the much maligned. He was he was better than you think. In fact, Guns N' Roses was better than most people think. Now here's here's uh, an exercise for you, because you are one of the foremost music fans in Binghamton. You know a lot of the local music history, of course, and a lot of just general music history, especially focusing, say, on the. Uh, 60s and early 70s. So going back 50 years ago, exactly 50 years ago, John from Binghamton, take a guess what the number one hit song was on WENE's Big E record survey. I think they called it the Big 25. Uh, I have no idea. Happy. Uh, probably cor happy. Cor Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. That's no, Happy by Rolling Stones. And the way the newspaper has it from... August 19th, 1972, the newspaper, which every Saturday published the Southern Tier's top records that they uh, obtained from WE&E's record survey. That was back when the newspaper had the fabulous weekly Saturday section, the tab that had T 
TV listings and movies and stuff like that. Um, they have Happy, number one, by an artist called Rolling Stones. One word, Rolling Stones. Hmm. And then number two was Alone Again by the one and only Gilbert O'Sullivan. And then the fabled Motorcycle Mama by Sailcat. Hmm. Yeah, so, that was... Uh, it's an interesting time. Interesting... Yeah, uh, it, Oh, hold on. I have a bulletin, a traffic bulletin. This just in from the traffic center. There's a vehicle fire on 17 eastbound near exit 72B, which means the front street exit, and they are shutting down the exit in the right lane. So, again, if you're on 17 inbound to downtown, watch out. You're going to have police and fire activity for a vehicle fire, uh, 72B, the front street exit. So the exit itself is shut down. You'll have to proceed to exit 4 and then head downtown that way if that's where you're heading to. Anyway, sorry for the interruption. Well, one of the interesting hit makers that passed last week was Lamont Dozier, uh, the... Uh Holland, those are here in Holland. Yeah, what a uh, what a what a songwriting team that was. Well, not only that, but the second act they uh, they had left Mo- Motown with a, in a contract dispute, went on to perform uh, Hot Wax Records, which uh, Band of Gold by Frida Payne and the great Give Me Just a Little More Time by General Johnson, otherwise known as the Chairman of the Board, took a shag singer from. Uh, South Carolina and uh, hit the big time with that, but he they were uh, very good. And uh, one of the oddest things about that is, and I always wondered why the uh, reach out. I always wondered why Levi Stubbs uh, uh, talked his way through that record when he was a great singer, and they they were trying to emulate Bob Dylan actually when they cut that. Yeah, nobody should try to emulate Bob Dylan. There, there should be only one. Yeah, I mean, if you want uh, to be a singer, you know, I'll tell you what, Bob was a great amalgamator. He took everybody's, he hung around the village, he took everybody's uh, uh, songs that were going around, particularly Tim Harden. How can I get in on this? But the thing about Dylan is he had a great manager, the great New York State entertainment manager, Al Grossman, uh, who put together Peter, Paul, and Mary, uh, went with uh, Todd Rundgren, uh, uh, Paul Butterfield, uh, just one of the premier show business figures that don't don't exist anymore. Appreciate the uh, musical memories. By the way, John, I think from here on out, between now and noon, all of our uh, bump music will be from exactly 50 years ago. I'll use WENE's Top 25 sound survey from 50 years ago this week for all the remaining uh, bump music for for the memories, for people who are old enough to know better. As long as you don't include uh, Nights in White Satin, I think we'll be okay. Fortunately, that's not a, on the list. Wait till you hear the... <laughs> Coming out of the next break, wait till you hear that song. It'll, it's the, I'm, not, I'm not giving any clues, but I will tell people it was number seven on the WENE Sound Survey 50 years ago this week, the number seven song, and people will say, Bob, have you gone and lost your mind? So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Thanks, John. <Good> luck. <laughs> Wait, that's what people are saying all the time. Bob, have you lost your mind? DJ in Binghamton, good morning. Is this thing on? <laughs> I paid. I paid for this microphone. 
Did you really? I, I like the I golden wish. microphone, the EIB microphone that Rush had. Yeah, I wonder whatever happened to that. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if it's his in a wife, museum, bro. No, it's in Florida. It's in a museum in Florida, the Rush Museum. There's a well, Rush. Everybody thinks they're going to see the band. The, everybody thinks Neil Peart's drums are going to be there, but they're, they're, no. there's a Rush Museum. The other, the other Rush. Really? Hmm. If not, we should start one. Wow. Hey, but check it out. The reason I called, I heard John from Binghamton. Did you know, Bob Joseph? that I had lunch with John from Binghamton at Mary's Bazaar on Holly Street. What was that last weekend? Oh, I, you know, I, I missed I missed St. Mary's Bazaar. I missed it completely. I don't know why. And the only... I know why. <laughs> you don't come to anything in Binghamton on weekends. You're, you're with your... You know, you're, no, I, I went to the uh, the Greek festival a few weeks ago. Up, that was the first time I was ever at the at the um, the big Greek festival. Was they it call in June? it? No, it was up Old Vestal Road. No, July? in Johnson City. Oh, now wait a minute! You're talking about right, Ukrainian. Ukrainian. I misspoke. I misspoke. Ukraine. Now, now oh, I'm going to have people looking Ukrainian. at me. People are going to look at me and say, "Bob, you got." You got confused. That was the first time I was at the uh, Ukrainian yeah. Days uh, Festival, and I had a lot of a uh, lot of fun. And I was just uh, i I got one of those sampler platters, so it had all sorts of great Ukrainian food. It was it was magnificent. But but I, I had forgotten Mag. about St. Mary's. It was magnificent. Yes, it was. Yeah, go ahead. St. Mary's. Ahead. Uh, I drove by Monday morning. When all the uh, the people, the volunteers from the church, uh, and probably the tent company, they were cleaning up after the big weekend, and then I thought, oh, I missed it. So maybe next year. I have to remember that it was magnificent. Well, you're Ukrainian. My uncle Clem's Ukrainian. I know a lot of Ukrainians, right? All right. Hey, but check it out. I heard John talking about something. I want to mention something real quick. The the, the, the drummer who really attracted me was Neil Peart with the timbales and going all down. And then one night after midnight, nothing good ever. Well, they say nothing good ever happens after midnight. But no. it. <laughs> Depends. W-A-A-L, W-A-A-L used to have a show. I don't remember the name of it in the 80s. And they played what they called heavy metal. Really, it's hard rock. And they played a band called Alcatraz with a guitar player named Ingve Melsi. I think I mentioned him to you before. Y-N-G-V-I-E. You can type it in. Ingve Melstein from Sweden. He is virtuoso. Talk about a shredder. I love that sound. He puts a hard, distorted buzz with, like, classical guitar. It's great. Oh, I'm looking at a picture of him. Has he never never met a barber? He's never cut his hair. I was going to say, his hair looks like it's about three feet long. His hair is longer than than Stevie Nicks ever looked. It's 18 inches. It's the same that mine was in the 80s. It's it's funny and, um, because this particular shot on the internet makes him look like a, a slightly thinner meatloaf. Yeah, well, I mean because he, 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 he it's a he's obviously he's in the middle of of a performance, and you know how meatloaf was so intense in his performances. This particular performance with with Yingwe Malmsteen from Yngwie, Sweden, Yngwie. Well, whatever. Yngwie. Yeah, spell it. Spell it. Well, it's pronounced I-N-G-B-A-Y, Ingvay, but it's Y-N-G 
B W I E. Remember? He, he, okay, he, I just no, I I just so wanted it, to see if you could spell it. You're right. Ingve so Johan Malmsteen. V. Yeah. A W is a V in German and and Swedish. A W is a V, so it's Ingve. And uh, anyway, um, listen to him sometime, Bob, if you like that kind of music. But you know. I'll, I'll turn it up really loud and open all what the windows. What are you windows. playing at home? Come on, be honest. What are you playing in your car? What's what's in your car? W A A L. No, no. Is, tell us. I'm not, not going to tell you what. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you what I play in my car. Right. Actually, what I play in my car is an assortment of stuff. I mean, from yeah, me from classic play. rock, occasionally country, occasionally. Um, sometimes classical. You know, there is a station in town, they actually play classical music. And, 91.5. Yeah. And and sometimes, oh, I have to yeah, say, I sometimes... 90, of course I was, 91.5. Right. When I'm, when I'm out driving around mm. between news stories, I mean, sometimes things get so busy going from one story to another, sometimes... I switch on to the classical music as I as I zip from one news scene to another. It's it's really it's actually almost surreal. Someday I'll put that on, do like a set my uh, camera up at a safe point when I'm driving to a news story, and you'll hear maybe a little bit of classical music in the background. Although I probably can't play much because of copyright infringement and, well, and things like that. My but stations. You know. Many may not know my stations. The Message, um, K-Love. K-Love is positive, uplifting music. You know my favorite station? Do you know my favorite station what? of all time? W-E-N-E. Well, okay, yeah, except for that, because the Big E okay, is well, where I got my radio start, really. That's right, Big E, yes. Playing the hits. My like, baby does the hate you think. Yeah, but, I remember that on Charlotte Street. Yes, but at around that same time, my all-time favorite station, except for E&E, because they hired me and decided that I was suitable for broadcast, Super CFL in Chicago. And they Super were... CFL? Cat? Frank? Love? Yeah, and Super it was... CFL? I'm going to have to check it out. CFL. CFL. Well, check on, on YouTube. There are air checks on YouTube for WCFL, okay. Super CFL. And right. CFL... Was it the the call letter stood for the owners Chicago Federation of Labor? So every the top of the hour they had a, a real power shotgun jingle, one of the best jingles of all time for the top of the hour ID, and it'd be like, uh, "It's eleven o'clock, John Records Landecker at the Voice of Labor," and then it would go, "WCFL Chicago." Uh, it's it was just. It, okay. Yeah. yeah, and it was a, it was a well well produced. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for the memories. Yeah. You too, Bob. Have a good one. Ten thirty one. WNBF. WNBF. dot com with Bob Joseph. More calls. Yeah, we could talk about anything. That's the beauty of the program. Yes. Yeah, sometimes we talk about you know what or you know who, and some days we're talking inexplicably. We're talking about bubble tea and musical memories. Hey, we can run the gamut, and we do, every weekday morning from 9 to noon right here. If you'd like to join our broadcast experience, 607-772-1290, or send an email to bob at wnbf.com. 
You're listening to News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available for free with the WNBF app. Joseph. That's my theme song. <laughs> oh, well, what can you say? You know, we live in interesting times. Am I right, people? 607-772-1290. That's what happens when you start messing around with a bubble tea laced with who knows what. Probably laced with NutraSweets or something like that. And have so much Nutra. <laughs> Not NutraSweet. I'm going to have so much bubble tea probably in the next week, my head will explode. But it's for a good cause. It's to inform and entertain you, <laughs> the home viewer. People will be like, wow, I really doesn't know how to use bubble tea responsibly. By the way, thank you to everyone who uh, has sent in a wide array of suggestions where I should uh, go to get some of my some of my um, bubble tea meet my bubble tea needs <laughs> oh my goodness ooh thanks to our friend Kirk for sending some uh, great great images Oh, my gosh. He just sent an image down from Enjoy a Golf Course. Kirk is a great photographer. And uh, actually, I'm going to tweet out an image in a moment because he just shared uh, a photo of uh, what it looked like over at the golf course. Oh, about 30 minutes or so ago. Just an amazing sky. In, in an amazing photograph, uh, it, it just goes to show, if you're a talented photographer with the great equipment, it really is impressive. What what a great great shot! I'm going to I'm going to share that, courtesy of Kirk. Uh, we'll have that picture on Twitter. And thank you. Thanks, Kirk, for listening. A great, great photographer. And uh, he also he sent another photo from down at Enjoy uh, a short time ago. Oh, oh, he says the storm was last night. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. Um, but, yeah, that, that uh, great image from West Endicott. And then, actually, yeah, I'll at some point, Probably before noon, I'll, I'll tweet out both pictures. The first one I'll show you. Actually, the first one will be a surprise. You'll like this. If you like WNBF as much as I do and as much as I think you do, I'll tweet out a, a photo from Kirk of uh, something he spotted at Enjoy uh, just a short time ago. And 
uh, you'll you'll get a kick out of that because it also brings back some memories. And then later, maybe between 11 and noon, I'll tweet out another amazing sky image from Enjoy. So thank you, Kirk. I wish I could take good pictures. I mean, I take adequate pictures that go on our website. You see what I mean, but clearly I'm not a photojournalist, and clearly I'm not a professional. So someday, someday maybe I'll learn how to take good pictures, but if I have time. That's why, by the way, speaking of photojournalists, that's why, that's one of the things we miss here in Binghamton. We don't have a team of photojournalists working for the newspaper as we did in, in the old days, the good old days, when they had lots and lots of uh, photographers, very talented photographers who would do breaking news photos and feature photos. I mean, that's just one of the things that no longer is affordable for local newspapers. I mean, for, fortunately, uh, Kate Collins does work for the Gannett Papers, but, you know, it's only one of her. What we need is a whole bunch, a whole bunch of photojournalists and reporters. Can you imagine if we ever went back to that? Newsrooms fully staffed, giving you the relevant local coverage that you need as an involved citizen because you're interested in your community. So that's what we need. We need newsrooms filled. I'm talking about newspaper newsrooms, radio newsrooms, TV newsrooms, Internet newsrooms. That's what we need. <sighs> yes, I know. People are saying, Bob, dream on. 1042. Well, I'm entitled to my dreams. 607-772-1290. You can also email bob at wnbf.com. The bye- Joseph live on WNBF. Phones, we go to Bob in the town of Maine. Good morning. Bob, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you? Good. I, I need to rant a little today, so I was hoping I could just uh, use you to rant with. This is Rant Radio 1290. Proceed. So listen, you know, I really would enjoy seeing all these local 
um, people who are so into everything that's wrong with going on, get involved with things locally. Okay, my my rant today is the airport. I heard a rumor that the airport is getting a whole bunch of more money for some kind of renovations or some kind of use, millions of dollars. And it's just to the point after living on Airport Road for almost 70 years that somebody needs to stop spending this money, even if it's free, because the bottom line is the money is not free, okay? And if you're going to take the money, use it, and then use your facilities. The airport is, over the last 10 years, has probably gotten well over $30 million in grants and federal money, and we're still down to one flight a day. And if you want to go anywhere, they're going to take you to Detroit before they take you anyplace else. You need to, you know, Jason needs to, you know, sit down. These people that are, he's got in charge of the airport corridor, these people in charge of the airport, they're great people. They're, they, they're smiling. They're always talking positive, but nothing ever gets accomplished. And it's time that we start paying attention to where this money's going. So what do you what do you recommend? They just shut down the airport? Well, find other either that or find other uses. I mean, sell the place to Amazon and let Amazon build a drone facility for all the whatever. You can't. The taxpayers shouldn't be spending a hundred dollars for every person that goes in and out of the airport on a flight. That's just ridiculous. If the airport can't support itself, then they got to figure something out. Maybe they need to put somebody else in charge that maybe can negotiate a contract with somebody else to get more revenue coming in. And, you know, it goes back to many things. The, the dump, okay? I have a problem with the dump. Such an easy solution, garbage problem on airport road, and I can't get anybody to listen to me. I leave messages at Jason Gardner's office, and I've talked to Jason on the radio with you, and you know that. And it's just, it's frustrating that somebody that has 70 years of experience on that road and has ideas that would make life easier, would be cleaner, and it's just a matter of three people sitting down and making a solution, um, I have a great idea and nobody will listen. Um, how, do I, how do we go? Bob Solak, how do, how do I uh, approach this? You have all the experience in the world um, with politics and politicians. What do we need to do? We have a sewer line that they spent 60, they took $60 million about 10 years ago from the government, and they put a sewer line in from the airport in all the way down Farm the Market Road. And do you know that thing is sitting in the ground and it's anything? Because it doesn't work. They test it, they can't pump the sewage. What's wrong with the picture here? I can, I can. T- Think about $50 million spent on the airport road corridor or that area, and nothing works. So your solution. Yeah, I have no solution. I don't I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I, I hear you, and I understand your frustration. I just don't know what the solution is, short of shutting down the airport, which... County elected officials will be extremely reluctant to ever do, even with a single flight a day. I think part of it is civic pride, because 
even though we're a small community, we still have pride that we do have the Binghamton Regional Airport. Even with that single flight from Delta, Binghamton to Detroit, every day. Yes, it's, it's as uh, the aviation commissioner mentioned when he was here last week, a lot of people don't like the concept or the idea of having to fly to Detroit to make connections with the Delta system. But at least you can connect. It is one option. And even if it's imperfect, one one could argue by at least keeping the airport open, it it ultimately provides a certain degree of competition. Maybe not a lot, but for regional air travel, you know, the, the more the, the merrier. Everybody benefits as long as airports like Binghamton, Ithaca, Elmira, Avoca, and Syracuse are still in the mix. I mean, as as, uh, additional airports go offline and as regional airports lose more flights, the only thing that means for travelers is the cost will continue to rise. Well, taxpayers don't save any money in the Binghamton area. We're paying for every person that goes through that uh, turnstile. Yeah, which is is true in most small communities or even medium-sized communities. And as I say, part... Part of this has to do with civic pride and economic development. It would be viewed as a huge blow, a huge loss, if the airport loses that single flight a day or if the airport is just ultimately closed and repurposed. It would be viewed after all these decades, after the airport has been in operation now for, I think, about seven decades or so, it would be viewed as, uh, as, as a major failure. Well, when you have Jason on next time, you can just do me a favor and remind him that I've left messages at his office. He doesn't call me back. Well, I'm not going to remind. No, I'm not going to remind the county executive, or I won't remind the mayor. Well, strike that. Um, the Binghamton mayor doesn't come on. I don't relay messages to the the guests who come to the program and say, "Hey, somebody." I mean, whether it's Bob from the town of Maine or somebody in Binghamton, somebody is upset because you don't return their call. I'm not going to do that. I, I don't think it's appropriate. I understand why you want to. I also I've heard from other people when they leave messages for other elected officials and they're not happy that they don't get a response. And I all I can say is, keep trying, be persistent. And, and also, don't be surprised if you never get a response. Some offices work to respond to constituents, and some, for whatever reason, maybe they just don't have enough people to at least acknowledge a message or whatever. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm just saying what it is. I'm, I mean, I, I admit, Bob, sometimes when people send me emails, I don't reply to their email. It doesn't mean I didn't read it. Well, like I said, I have a solution to the dump and garbage problem, Long Airport Road, and nobody wants to listen. Well, what's the solution? Uh, I'd like to talk to somebody that can implement it. The solution is we have technology now. I go on a trip. I don't have an easy pass. They send me a bill in the mail, okay? Since we don't have inmates anymore at the jail doing the garbage pickup on weekends doing their community service, the garbage issue on Airport Road is horrendous. I mean, I, I followed a, a truck. I never even saw the truck, but I followed the garbage. It was a, 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 a trailer full of a brush. I followed them from Otsenago Park all the way to the airport. I never saw the truck, but I saw the same trash all the way along the highway. So the solution is Mr. Gardner, DEC, 
and the person in charge of the dump all sit down at the table and they implement putting a camera on the weigh scale. And by the way, there's already cameras on the weigh scale. And when somebody shows up at the dump without a tarp on their trailer and trash is all hanging out, they punch a button and it takes a picture of that vehicle plate and the person driving and they send them a ticket in the mail. The ticket for uncovered garbage on a trailer or truck is $300 first offense. So the airport would generate a ton of money right off the top. We'd have less people flying up airport road with tarps or without tarps, leaving their trash all along airport road. And eventually there wouldn't be a money-making option because enough people would finally start using their tarp. But All right. Well, I appreciate you sharing that idea. We're out, we're out of time. We've got news coming up, but I appreciate your call and keep us posted. Okay. Anybody that needs to talk to Bob on airport road, you know, how to tell him to find me. <laughs> okay. Thank you. 1056, Bob Joseph on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. National Weather Service giving us a bit of a let up from the rain that we had quite frequently yesterday. Just a slight chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, clouds today, and the high near 80. The ups and downs of the COVID-19 pandemic are taking a slight upswing again in New York, following a downward trend in new infections. Broome County yesterday announced a new COVID death, bringing the pandemic total to 540, while the number of new cases went up by 57. The pandemic total number of cases in Broome County stands at 63,043. In Shenango County, there were 11 new cases yesterday for a total of 10,540. The death toll remains at 125. The pandemic death toll also remains unchanged for Cortland, Delaware, and Tioga counties. Cortland has had 127 deaths, Delaware 82, and Tioga 88. Each county reports new cases yesterday, ranging from a low of six in Delaware County to 14 new cases in Tioga. Cortland's pandemic total stands at 11,980, Delaware at 9,075, while Tioga County's total number of cases stands at 12,514. Meanwhile, parents are being reminded by the New York State Department of Health to have their children vaccinated in preparation for the start of the new school year. Governor Kathy Hochul announced yesterday the relaunch of the hashtag VaxToSchool initiative hosting pop-up vaccination clinics for school-aged children. While several clinics were listed around the state, none are scheduled for the southern tier. The Broome County Health Department, however, is still scheduling vaccination clinics. The Moderna booster and the first dose for children aged 5 to 12 years will be given today at the Health Department on Front Street in Binghamton. Go to www.gobroomcounty.com for more information and to schedule an appointment. New York State Police are continuing to investigate an early morning tractor-trailer crash on Interstate 88 that shut down a portion of the highway near Sydney on Tuesday, but resulted in no serious injuries. Authorities say an Old Dominion Freightline tandem tractor-trailer overturned in the eastbound lanes near Exit 9 shortly after 5.30 a.m., closing the right lane for over two hours. Authorities say the highway reopened at around 8 Tuesday morning. The driver was a man from Albany. Troopers have not said what they believe caused the crash. The tractor-trailer appeared to be the only vehicle involved. Pennsylvania drivers whose licenses have been suspended due to an accumulation of points on their records could get a second chance. 
to try to avoid having their privileges pulled. The Pennsylvania Department of Transportation is announcing a new driver improvement school, otherwise known as a DIS, to which a driver with too many speeding or other moving violations on their record could be assigned to try to knock some points off their license. According to PennDOT, a driver convicted of certain moving violations are assigned points to their driving record. Once the record has been reduced below six points and for the second time shows as many as six points or who has a conviction for excessive speeding could be required to attend the PennDOT hearing where the determination would be made as to whether that motorist should be given a 15-day license suspension or if the driver improvement school would be better in helping them make better decisions behind the wheel. If assigned to the six-hour course, the driver would knock two points off their record if they complete the class successfully and avoid a suspension. If they fail or don't show up, they would get a 60-day suspension on their license. For more information, you can visit the Driver Improvement School page on PennDOT's Driver and Vehicle Services website. The Whitney Point Satellite Office of the Broome County Department of Motor Vehicles is going to be closed tomorrow. Any business with a DMV mobile office located at the Northern Broome Senior Center will have to be completed today or wait until next week. The Broome County Clerk reminds motorists that all DMV offices stop processing transactions 15 minutes before the posted closing time, but staff are available to answer questions and hand out forms until the office actually closes. To book an appointment at one of the county's DMV offices, you can go to broomcountyclerk.setmore.com. And for information on DMV office locations, hours, and available services, go to gobroomcounty.com slash DMV. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast. We'll have a mostly cloudy day for the rest of the day. A slight chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, a high near 80. Mostly clear tonight, patchy fog toward morning, a high in the upper 50s. Friday, patchy morning fog, otherwise sunny, high in the upper 80s. Saturday, mostly sunny, a 30% chance of afternoon thunderstorms, high in the upper 80s. Sunday, mostly sunny, a 40% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms, high in the mid-80s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio, 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com, and 92.1. WNBF live and local, taking your phone calls as always from 9 to noon. This is Bob Joseph. The number to call is 607-772-1290. You can also email the program bob at wnbf.com. Some exciting breaking news this morning about a future enterprise in Johnson City. And we're joined now by News Channel 34's Jim Emke. Good morning, Jim. Hi, Bob. I'm standing right off of the uh, putting green at Enjoy Golf Course, where the uh, second day of the uh, Pro-Am is underway for the Dick's Sporting Goods Open. And uh, the folks from Dick's uh, decided to choose this moment to make a a pretty major announcement, a retail announcement for our community. Uh, they were joined, uh, Ed Stack, chairman of uh, Dick Sporting Goods, along with his sister, uh, Kim Myers, uh, were here, and a number of local elected officials, joined by the uh, the owners of the Oakdale Commons, uh, that being uh, Doug Matthews and the Matthews family, and then Mark Newman of the Newman family, uh, to announce that uh, Dick's is bringing its largest store to the Oakdale Commons. So um, of their 900 stores uh, worldwide, 
Uh, our area, Broome County, will have the largest uh, 140,000 square foot store going in where Macy's was, directly across from Wegmans. And so this massive store will include indoors a climbing wall, batting cages, a glass elevator. There'll be an outdoor component with a turf field for clinics that'll get iced over as an ice rink in the winter, an outdoor track, uh, even some elements up on the rooftop. So uh, quite a major development, major announcement for Oakdale Commons as uh, uh, they've uh, obviously redeveloped the north end of the mall with uh, Beer Tree and Lords, the county offices, and now uh, they've got a pretty significant tenant coming in on the south end. Yeah, that's that's really big, and uh, word had started to circulate over the last few weeks that, uh, indeed, Dick Sporting Goods would be this primary tenant where the Macy's store had been. And I, I know last Friday morning when I was uh, chatting with Broome County Executive Jason Garner, I did have a little bit of fun. I said, what if I just blurted out on the air? And, and he basically implored me not to. He said, the big announcement is coming up, so I didn't think it would be appropriate to, uh, to spoil the surprise for the um, for Dick Sporting Goods and for Ed Stack to make the official announcement today. Yeah, well, it's all official now. I mean, honestly, going back to when Macy's had left, uh, there had been rumors over over the years that Dick's was possibly eyeing that location. Uh, but you know, these deals are tricky to put together, and at that time, I believe the mall was still in receivership. Uh, but now uh, with the uh, Matthews family and uh, their resources and the Newman family uh, obviously having a significant history of retail development, um, having, you know, obviously developed a town square mall and the Parkway Plaza out on the Vestal Parkway. Uh, definitely seems like uh, the stars uh, have aligned in this instance and uh, a small community like ours will end up with the largest uh, Dick's uh, Sporting Goods store. In fact, uh, it's branded Dick's House of Sport. And uh, Dick's Sporting Goods has uh, been rolling out this line of, of stores over, I think, the last couple of years. I don't think there are a lot of them around the country, but it is one of the new formats that Dick Sporting Goods has been uh, rolling out. And based on some of the things I've read, the uh, the House of Sports concept has been well-received where, where they've been uh, opened over the, the last year or two. Right, yep, yep. So this will not be the first House of Sport, but it will be the largest. Well, that's uh, amazing. So did they say, and maybe you mentioned, did they uh, offer a target date for uh, the opening of the Johnson City House of Sport? They have not, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Also, uh, I was remiss, and I and I apologize. I meant to ask Mr. Stack whether uh, the, the opening of this store would in any way impact uh, their other two local stores. Um, so... Uh, I have to follow up on that as well. I have heard over the years that there's a uh, a sentimental attachment to the Court Street store and that it's uh, it's somewhat protected by that status. But uh, uh, but we'll see what uh, if this in any way impacts the future of the Vessel Parkway store. Well, that's my like sense that. about the Court Street store. I I think as long as 
uh, Ed Stack and, and members of his family uh, are are still around and and still have such a of course appropriately a special attachment to Binghamton where uh, Dick Sporting Goods was was founded I believe in the late forties um, I I think yeah that Court Street store even even ten or twenty years from now might still be there because i i think they're it's it's got to be emotional for for the family to think hey it's it's not the original store but i believe it's next door to where the original store was located when when the company really got got its start in i think 1948 or so yeah if i if i recall correctly when ed took over leadership of the company i believe they just had that store and the one out in uh vestal near four corners yeah, and next boy, to the have they ever grown from there? So, <laughs> next to the the fire yeah. station there at Four Corners, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Where, you know it's just amazing the the growth of Dick Sporting Goods over the last several years. You know, turning into um, a multi billion dollar um, a chain of stores uh, with a presence all across the country. I mean, the growth has been remarkable. So thank you for uh, filling us in on this big development for the Oakdale commons. One other thing I wanted to acknowledge, uh, you were the moderator last night at, uh, a debate in Binghamton, a candidate forum at Temple Concord. And, um, that involved, uh, the democratic candidates in the 52nd Senate district. Tell me about that candidate, uh, forum on Riverside drive. Yeah, so this was organized by uh, the congregation at Temple Concord, and uh, they asked me if I would uh, like to uh, serve as moderator, and uh, I was happy to uh, accept that privilege. And uh, so the two Democratic candidates, uh, Leah Webb, former uh, Binghamton City Councilwoman and educator at Binghamton University, is is one of the candidates, and the other is uh, Leslie Danks-Burke. She is an attorney in Ithaca and uh, an adjunct professor at Cornell University. Uh, so two uh, very accomplished and intelligent women, and uh, I thought we had uh, a very lively and uh, uh, thoughtful debate uh, about a number of important topics, important uh, not only to Democrats, but to everyone. And uh, so if people aren't aware, there is uh, yet another primary coming up this coming Tuesday. Early voting is already underway. And um, whoever is uh, victorious in that Democratic primary is set to face off against former Binghamton Mayor Richard David, the Republican candidate, uh, to succeed Fred Akshar in uh, what is will be the, the new 52nd district, uh, quite a bit different from the old 52nd. So it now no longer includes all of Broome County, just sort of the, the core of Broome, and then uh, throws in Cortland and Tompkins County. So we're no longer connected with Tioga and Shenango as we were in the past. Uh, but brand, brand new, uh, brand new boundaries, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, for the general election in November. Jim Emke from News Channel 34. Always a pleasure. Enjoy uh, watching your news coverage weekday evenings at 6 and certainly following uh, your reporting on BinghamtonHomePage.com. Ah, perfect. Yes, a good segue into my shameless plug of the fact that I do have the artist rendering of the new Dick's House of Sport up up on our website if anyone wants to check that out. I'm looking at it now. Shameless plug. Now I'm going to go track down Roger Neal in the media center, and maybe the two of us can share a speedy because speedies are back at the open. 
after Excellent. a one-year absence. Excellent. That's probably even bigger news. <laughs> <laughs> certainly delicious news. Have a have a speedy and as as I did uh, earlier today, uh, enjoy one or two of those uh, delightful donuts from uh, a little bit down the road there from from the cider mill, and that that's why I think so many people are smiling today in Endicott. Absolutely. All right, Bob. Take care. Thank you, Jim Emke, live on News Radio WNBF, reporting from Enjoy golf course in West Endicott. So that's exciting news. Hey, we love some good news. Especially, especially when we've been waiting for the official announcement. Hmm. As they say, patience is a virtue. 607-772-1290 is the number. Bob Joseph, live on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. For fifth recording... Live radio is the best radio. Bob Joseph, live and local on News Radio WNBF. Ron from Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Say, before I uh, get to my topic, you have Jim Emke on. Uh, may I uh, tell a brief, nice story about Jim Emke? Please do. Okay. Uh, back, I think it was about seven years ago. I was working for a nonprofit organization, uh, and we did a special fundraiser. Uh, I don't know if you recall it, but we had people repelling from the top of the Double Tree Hotel downtown. Oh, I, re- I I do recall that. I was afraid that somebody would volunteer me, and fortunately, I I managed to escape that close call. Yes, because I did come to the station looking for you to invite you, and they you were under a desk somewhere, so they couldn't find you. <laughs> I was quaking in my boots. But this leads me to the to the story because uh, it was a Friday that we had people, and they they raised money, and then uh, representing the people um, from whom you know money ra- they raised, they they got to the top of the double tree and repelled down the double tree ten ten stories. Uh, and uh, Friday was the day for the event. And on Thursday, we had Celebrity Day when we had some uh, people in the media and some uh, political people. And uh, so, in fact, one, I won't mention the name, but one political person showed up on that Celebrity Day, came down, repelled down the building. And uh, I, I I was afraid we were going to have to... Uh, you know, start his heart back up because he he looked at me and he said, "Don't don't ever invite me to any events anymore," because he was he was petrified coming down coming down that building. But on that Thursday, all of a sudden, Jim Emke shows up, and Jim shows up uh, in like his broadcast uniform in a suit and tie, and comes over and and I said, "Are are you going to you know come down in a suit and tie?" He says, "Yeah." And he, so he went up, and with no problem, boom, 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 he comes down, turns around, has to go, and leaves. And and it just uh, struck everyone, wow, 
I mean, everyone was had had to be talked into coming down when they went up there by the people who were running the event. But not Jim. Courageous Jim just bounced down that uh, those ten floors. Wow, I I sort of remember that. And again, it was one of those things where would would have been fun maybe for me to do it. And then I thought, no, it's probably fun for people to think about me doing it. And uh, but I give I give Jim Emke a, a lot of credit. First of all, of course, he's. He's been a, a great journalist in, in Binghamton for a long time and continues to uh, serve us with our for our information needs. But, again, the fact that he really cares about the community, and it, it shows. It shows every time he does a report on News Channel 34. It also shows when he joins us for breaking news, as, as he frequently does on, on weekday mornings. So I really appreciate the work he does. Sure thing. Uh, what I did call about, Bob, I wanted to check with you to see if you bought a raffle ticket recently. And uh, I'm speaking specifically of the raffle, raffle that is being conducted uh, by Claudia Tenney. Do you know about that raffle? No, I'm not familiar with that. Well, I got an email uh, from Claudia Tenney, and uh, she's got a raffle going. If you donate uh, $10 to her campaign, you get one ticket in the raffle. If you donate uh, 20 30 40 you get extra tickets. Uh, I should say that you don't officially have to buy a ticket to take part. There's a special way you can get in it. But the, the emphasis is buy, buy a ticket, and you could win. And what you're going to win on September 1st is an autographed MAGA King hat from Donald Trump. Are you still there? I'm speechless. (laughs) I thought you might be. (laughs) I mean, really, what can I say? I mean, I could say a lot, but I think it's even more powerful not saying anything. Yes, silence is uh, golden in this instance. Um, so we do know, uh, you know, we do know seriously that Claudia Tenney is strongly connected with uh, Donald Trump and wants his backing. I mean, you know, eight eight out of the ten people who were running uh, in primaries that were backed by Trump won. And, of course, we know the Liz Cheney uh, situation. So uh, there you go. Um, It speaks for itself. But if you do want to take – there's time to get in it, Bob, because I know you like hats, right? You like to collect hats. Am I correct? Yeah, I like most hats. By the way, um, I will say this. I think I may have mentioned this once on the program before. I actually do. Have one of those red and white hats that uh, were all the rage a couple years ago. I actually do, and I actually wore it once. And somebody was smart; they took a, a quick photo. But I also directed that person never, ever to distribute that photo because it, it it was one of those things. I should never have put the hat on. Somebody, I think, dropped it off at the station or whatever as as a gift, and I. You know, obviously it was um, it was a nice gesture, but I uh, 
as a journalist, as a talk show host, I can never go out in public wearing a hat, any type of hat, symbolic of any political movement or supportive of any any particular candidate. But there is one person who has one photo of me because I put the hat on probably for about two seconds, and the person was very quick with the camera, and I and I still have the hat. Again, there's nothing there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the hat, especially if you like items like that made in China. Well, Bob, you do you ever wear your Chick Fil A hat? I uh, I do. <laughs> I I have a couple of times. Not often. Not. Often, but I have, I have, yes, I have, Ron, and I thank oh. you. Yes. Okay. Well. <laughs> yes, I, you know, but I, as a rule, though, I don't want to, um, I don't want to wear it out in public, and then people think, oh, that means I've got inside knowledge about their new chicken stand that's going to be open on Sundays. Because if I start talking about that, they'll say, oh, Bob, you're an insider, and and tell me all about their seven-day-a-week chicken sandwich stand. And I, I'm in no position to make any comment on that until it's officially announced. Well, no comment is the comment, right? <laughs> That's the appropriate. Or otherwise, take the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine, I mean, really, having to take the fifth? That, that shows you how far some of our leaders have fallen, that it's gotten to the point where former presidents and former mayors now are taking the fifth. Yeah. Even uh, even Pacino in Godfather 2 didn't take the fifth at the hearing. No, that's... Thank you. That's a good point. So wow. that, that, helps, that helps to um, put into sharp focus how... How bad the situation is for some former people. Appreciate your call, Ron. Thank you. I was just looking up the uh, repelling story. Um, yes, repelling off the side of the double tree. They did it back in August 2015. So it's been, yeah, you know, it's been almost exactly seven years since uh, some brave folks, as part of that fundraiser for a community group actually did repel down the side of uh, the double tree. It was August 21st, 2015. If the the opportunity ever presents itself again, the answer would still be N-O. Bob Joseph with you live on WNBF. More calls coming up. Don't touch that dial. Finding Joseph on a Thursday morning taking your phone calls right now 607-772-1290 to talk on NBS
Dave from Vastel, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning there, Bob. Boy, there's a 70s band right there with some good harmony. Yeah, with Eric Carmen. Yeah, raspberries. They were, you know, they were out of Cleveland. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. No. Yeah, yeah good band. Hey, you know, <laughs> boy, that was right, right in the time when I was uh, starting to get in trouble. <laughs> in a bad way. Same here. <laughs> Same here. Not in a bad way, but as they say, in a way. <laughs> if you know what I mean. If you know what we mean when we say you know what we mean, and I, I think most of our listeners know exactly what we mean. Yeah, I think so, too. Hey, you know, I was listening to John earlier talking music with you, and, you know, something stuck with me. What he said, he said that the problem with the Beatles is they didn't have a good front man. And, and I started thinking, boy, a lot of bands would love to have the Beatles problem. They were just... A little bit successful. They made a little bit of money. Uh, I, I think a good front man, Bob, is, is overrated. Um, I mean, Lennon McCartney did the writing and the singing, almost all of it, and they did pretty well. And, and there's a lot of bands that did really good without front men. Pink Floyd comes to mind uh, with uh, – uh, what's his name? Gilmore and Waters doing singing. They played instruments. They weren't just uh, soul frontmen. ELO, Jeff Lynn. I mean, they're, he, they're lead singer. He, he played guitar. Uh, Sticks, Dennis D. Young, and Tommy Shaw harmonizing. They, they, they didn't have just front. How about the Eagles? There's another one right there. They, they didn't just have a front. So, Cream, I can go down the line. Jack Bruce, the bass player, he, he did the singing for them. ZZ Top. Uh, James Gang, Joe Walsh, there's a three-piece band. Uh, yeah, it, even it, it can it, work. A lot of them. It, it can yeah. work. I, I personally sometimes just think about what if, say, what if the Beatles had been able to continue on, say, into oh, the 70s yeah. and the 80s oh, and even yeah. the 90s, if they had had oh, the same yeah. longevity that we've seen with uh, Mick Jagger and the gang with the Stones, if if uh, the Beatles had managed to continue dazzling us with music, especially as music changed. I mean, thinking about, oh, in 1977, when... Uh, the Rolling Stones <laughs> released Miss You, sort of their uh, acknowledgement. Yeah, there's something called disco. It wasn't pure disco, but it was sort of appropriate for the times. So imagine if if only they had been still together, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, releasing something of a, of a disco type song and and seeing what what their take or or eventually if they were still around now with rap you know <laughs> Lennon and McCartney getting together with Drake and Beyonce Boy, I'd pay to see that well I would pay no. to see I mean think about it seriously if if you could put combine some of the greats from from decades ago with some of our current artists, I think it'd be fascinating. I mean, at first people would say, or or even, okay, this is a stretch, but still, you you get Eminem, if you could keep him from dropping any bombs on live mm -hmm. radio, and, and get mm -hmm. him to, to work with, with the Beatles to see what they, they ultimately could release. Who who knows? Who knows what would have right. happened? But it's sometimes nice to, to imagine, if you will. 
Yeah, it would have been nice. If they, but you could say that about a few bands. But what about Zeppelin? I mean, if they didn't have their problems, oh, sure. they could continue on. There's, well, you could say that with... About a lot of them. Well, yeah. and, and with individual artists. I mean, sadly, look how many mm-hmm. artists died when they're 27 years old or, or whatever. I mean, whether oh, it was due yeah. to drugs or car crashes or plane crashes, uh, we, we've, over the years, lost a lot of talented artists uh way before their time you know when when you uh, lose some of these these great performers before they're even 30 years old it's it's doubly tragic oh yeah i think about that all the time hendrix what would he have done can you imagine i mean he was ahead of his time to begin with i believe so i mean <laughs> yeah well so many i mean you know from know. you know hendrix janice joplin but even mm-hmm. uh Say Jim Croce or Harry Chapin. I mean, uh, yeah. from all yeah. genres, and I know we've barely scratched the surface of of right. artists who still held a lot of promise and potential, and and sadly, they uh, they departed sooner than than we would have wished. Yep, that's true. Well, well, I appreciate about, hey, the memories. Hey, hey, how about how about Grand Funk and the Birds? There's a, there's a couple other yeah. bands that didn't have uh, they didn't have front men and they did pretty good. Well, goes to show mm-hmm. you you can do yeah. it. You definitely can. In some cases, right, uh, do it. Thanks for the memories. Eleven forty from WNBF. Alan from Endicott. Good morning. Oh hi Bob. Yeah, this is Alan. Hi. Uh, I got a I got another airport story for you. Uh this is a guy, I don't know if you know, there was a private jet manufacturer at the, at the uh, Broome County Airport. Uh, this guy was building private jets similar to a Learjet for quite a while up there because I was solicited. I do spray refinishing, so I was solicited to a, a supplier to go up and you know meet with him to help with the refinishing end. And... Somehow he was having problems with the county coming up with excuses on the refinishing end of it, you know, the the proper ventilation, that type of thing, which, you know, he did complete. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing from the supplier that things weren't, that the county still was trying to push him out of there. Now, these Learjet, these uh, cargo jets, his brand, uh, they're several million dollars per unit. When was this and, going know, on? Well, that's why I'm calling you. You guys might be able to find out. This guy had multiple contracts, dozens of them. He's an ex-Lockheed Martin guy, high-end well, guy. Well, enlighten me. I, I'm not familiar with who he, who the guy is, and, and I didn't know well, that, that he was doing this. Yeah, I, I figured you didn't know. Uh, I was just briefed weekly. Hey, he's getting uh, situated with one guy spraying. He's not happy with it. So they were going to have, because I, I have like 30 years of this refinishing cars, boats, and all that stuff. So, but things got worse. Now, typically, I hear that he's already moved the, the whole operation to the Carolinas. They gave him the same situation down there at an airport. I don't know if that's <clears throat> happened yet, but that's what I'm hearing he's doing, or he's already done it, you know. Yeah, did his company have a name? Well, that's what I never got from the guy, the the supplier. Uh, All I heard was uh, he he was an ex-Lockheed Martin guy, retired, 
and had multiple customers. They were building them there, designing them per order, and they held like 10, 9 or 10 passengers. These are all, you know, obviously rich guys that would order these. Yeah, and how many do you think they wound up making during the time they were you know, operating that's, that's here? That's another good, right. Yeah, the, 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 the secret about this, I don't know how long he was up there. It could have been several months or maybe a year or two. What's odd was he was up there a long time already making these things and selling them. Then all of a sudden he gets pushed out of there. <clears throat> uh, well, how come and, it was you know, so, why, why did they want to keep it below? below the radar so to speak it seems seems as though there there must have been some intention not to not to raise yeah, any actually, eyebrows well that's right uh, obviously the county owns all of that so he'd be renting or leasing a building from them i would assume that's an airplane hangar type building to you know to do that type of assembly um and from there that's uh that's all I know. Uh, it was just odd that, you know, they pushed him out without uh, much of an explanation because that falls on OSHA, actually. That's got nothing to do with the county. That's just uh, protection for employees, proper spray, ventilation, that kind of thing. Because I've worked in dozens of these shops. That's OSHA. That's got nothing to do with a county. Yeah, well, it's an interesting, interesting story, but maybe. Yeah, I, well, why don't know, you send find, me an email with with some more background information so yeah, I can let me track see if down. I can find out the name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just send it to Bob at wnbf dot com because it, right. it sounds sounds like a story that would interest me. Well, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, uh, you know, because the, the supplier guy was on me every week. He's, you know, he's getting this ready, this, you know, because I guess he wanted to expand because he's getting too many orders. Uh, yeah, that's a know, tough maybe. problem if you have a, a business and then suddenly you have too many <laughs> orders, uh, too much business, that, you know, beyond w- w- your capability to handle. That's, I mean, it's, at first it sounds, right. oh, that's great. That means we're booming, except, no, right. it's, yeah. you know, speaking of, uh, of jets, and this is totally unrelated to, um, the, the thing here uh, about the guy who was doing work in in Binghamton. Do you know anything about these boom jets? No, but he would. Yeah, so, he would. I mean, this company yeah. is going to be making. They claim they'll be making new supersonic jets because That's remember, right. with yeah. the SST, I mean, after it met its demise, after the SST went out of service, we've had no regularly uh, available passenger service, but this company called Boom Supersonic is planning to uh, make jets that can capable of traveling at, at supersonic speed. And it was interesting. American Airlines uh, has just put down a deposit for a bunch of them. Of course, they... Well, I'll bet. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, American and United have uh, said they'll buy them, but the question still is, can they actually make them and do you know do that kind of uh, uh, jet for commercial service and somehow make it uh, environmentally friendly also of course uh, right. jets traveling at supersonic speed unfortunately make sonic booms so they can't generally the only time they can travel at supersonic speed is uh, over the water because 
Otherwise, who wants to hear sonic booms all the time? That's right, yeah. So, yeah well, there's also a company uh, already making, they already have them out, uh, electric uh, taxi small airplanes that are electric. They can only go like 20, 30 minutes in the air. I saw a demonstration. I think I saw a demonstration uh, several months ago. It fascinated me. And so we'll see what happens with new technology. Anyway, I appreciate your uh, call. Thanks for checking in. And let me know if you... uh, in touch. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you. As I mentioned last week when the aviation commissioner was on the program, I have a great fascination for aviation. I love to fly. haven't flown lately. I love... Small planes and large planes and helicopters and still have never learned how to actually pilot anything. I'm not sure that I ever will, but it's probably something I should have pursued. Uh, we'll say a few years earlier. At any rate, the industry and, and the, everything about aviation still continues to fascinate me. It's 11.48. This is Bob Joseph. If you have something that fascinates you, still time to call in, 607-772-1290, or send an email to bob at wnbf.com. at WNBF and WNBF.com. Wow, we've had a a wide array of discussion on the program this morning, which is great. I think that uh, we managed to uh, learn a few things. In fact, I think since we started at uh, 9 o'clock right after the news, we learned a whole bunch of things. So hopefully you have found the program very informative and enlightening. I have. That's why I come in every day. It's not not just because, oh, I like to talk with people and answer the phone and because it just is a fun way to spend three hours of my morning. It's educational for me. It's informative. And so hopefully you find a certain level of edification with this program every day. Hopefully, whether you are able to listen, say, for just 15 minutes or maybe for the full three hours, I really, really uh, hope that you get something out of it. As well as hearing the opinions of, of people around the area. Because 
I think it's useful to know what other people are thinking, even those with whom you disagree. In fact, especially with those with whom you disagree. If you have a strong feeling about something, so it, it's intriguing to hear other people. Too often, I think, we wind up surrounding ourselves with uh, like-minded folks. I think that's human nature. But there are always different views and world uh, views that uh, are, are worth exploring and acknowledging. You don't have to change your mind, but it is certainly always appropriate to listen to what some other people are thinking, whether it's local issues or national issues. 1154, here's an issue that you can't do anything about, but I know you're interested in it. It's the weather. And today will be partly sunny, isolated showers, scattered showers and thunderstorms this afternoon, high 79. Partly cloudy tonight, low 58. Sunny Friday, high 87. The outlook for the weekend for the Dick Sporting Goods Open, mostly sunny Saturday with a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Be on the warm side for the golfers and the patrons, the high 89, partly sunny Sunday with a chance of showers in the afternoon. Another warm day in West Endicott and all around here, Sunday's high 88. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's pleasant. If, if I had a thermometer, I would tell you the temperature. I don't. So I'll just say it's very pleasant here in downtown Binghamton. 11.55 with Bob Joseph, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. First. I'm Bob Joseph. Thank you so much for spending part of your morning with News Radio WNBF. I'm pleased to say mission accomplished, but of course the mission is never complete. We'll continue this journey tomorrow morning. In the meantime, enjoy your afternoon. You're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.